Good uh, morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome again to another episode of Hockey the Podcast. It's your favorite sporting podcast, your favorite hockey podcast. You name it, it's your favorite. Uh, we tick all those boxes and then some. Great to have you on the show. Uh, remember last week we changed tack slightly in that we had a host of guests uh, joining us in the SA Women's Hockey side uh, as they continue to build to Tokyo. 2021. Uh, of course, I know the official name is 2020, but we are in 2021, so it only feels right to, to call it that. Uh, but yeah, we are back uh, to tradition in that we've got a single guest, and it's a big one. But of course, joining me, as always, it's my co-host, my colleague, my partner in crime, Tyron Jabu Barnard. How are you doing, Ty? Yeah, Derek, good thanks. And you and, and from everyone here at Hockey the Podcast, all... Um all members of this company of podcast creators and all our guests before we go in we have to say happy birthday to you for last week wednesday because when people listen to it it would be last week wednesday uh did you have a good birthday Derek? i did thank you very much ty a, a phenomenal birthday and, and you know all about it uh <laughs> because uh, during the day uh, we were treated to a phenomenal day out by our very good friends over at Serengeti Golf Estate. Mark Renwick and his crew put out a, a superb day for us as uh, we played uh, yeah, on the Magnificent Whistling Thorn Par 3 Championship course. Ty, unfortunately, you couldn't make it. Uh, I didn't think I'd get to see you that day. And then that night, my girlfriend Kat uh, said, OK, cool, let's go out for dinner. And she didn't want to tell me where we were going. And the next thing... Uh, we arrived at uh, Brian Laura Rumba, I think it's called, in Linden. And as we arrived, I was greeted by a host of uh, uh, my best friends and colleagues, uh, you included. Uh, so, yeah, it was a, a phenomenal surprise, a great, great night. And thank you so much for the gifts, Ty. Uh, Ty gave me some really, really nice Gary Player golf balls uh, with the logo saying, Happy 40th Birthday, DA. Uh, but uh, in his infinite wisdom, he realized that uh, they wouldn't very really last too long given my uh, skills or lack thereof on a, on a golf course so you gave me a nice umbrella so something that had a, a bit more longevity that the logo could feature on so thank you very very much uh, for a, a great night out i mean it, it was just a lot easier Dirk, because of the fact that uh, your initials just so happened to be a political party <laughs> so i just went to their shop and typed in 40th birthday and they had all these things so it was quite easy <laughs> <laughs> that is superb. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know when they turned 40. Uh, I think, no, I'm actually definitely older than the DA. So yeah. you did have to add that part in. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much. It, it was a great night, a great day. And thanks to everyone uh, for making it so special. But it is not the Derek Alberts show talking about his 40th yeah. birthday. It is, of course, all about hockey. And uh, we have another cracker tonight, I. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, last week was fantastic having the women's team uh, talking about the Olympics. Um, unfortunately, we don't have the men at a camp this week, but we thought if you can't get the whole, me uh, the, the whole men's team together, at least get one of the senior players. And what better way to go than uh, the current national vice captain, uh, none other than Keenan Horn. Keenan, welcome. Uh, welcome to the show. Welcome uh, to the podcast. It's been a long time coming, but I'm very glad that we managed to get you on. How's it, Tyrion? How's it, Derek? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here this evening. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. It's it's obviously a big hockey year, Kina. Um, and, uh, you know, well, it, it's poised to be a big hockey year with, with the Olympic Games around the corner. And not long after that, uh, just over 14, 15 months later is the World Cup. So in the space of 18 months, two major tournaments. Obviously, COVID has uh, completely changed the the way we work it's completely changed things but how are you feeling right now about uh, yourself your life and of course hockey in general yeah it feels a little bit like the you know the classic calm before the storm 
um, you know, there's, you know, something big is coming, but you just have to put in the graft now. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, um, there's a lot of motivation. I won't lie. Um, going from last year, last year was really tough, but this year, you know, you can smell the tournament. It's inside. Um, yeah. So feeling good, feeling strong. Um, been working towards this for four years, you know, so the cycles, um, but yeah, I'm in a good space. Uh, that's, I've taken on various things, uh, this year, which is also keeping things fresh and exciting for me. Oops, I accidentally clicked mute there. Um, yeah, so if you have a look uh, at at this year, obviously the big thing is the Olympic Games. And and unfortunately, uh, we know that uh, you can't... Um, we, we can't really play much hockey in the build-up. I mean, having been around the squad for a, a while, how different is it right now in and around the squad, um, considering there's no competitive action right now? Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. That's why I say it's a bit of a calm before the storm. You know, we're all training on our own. Um, over the last 12 months, we've become really tight as a squad, uh, just doing a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of cultural building. So, in effect, we've been really connected, um, albeit not on the field as much. But, uh, you know, you still feel like you, you're together in this. Uh, we know everyone's working hard. But, of course, it, it's not the same, you know, if you're not with the squad and not with the team. I think last year, this time, we were probably in Belito playing a tournament against the, the U.S. Um, and, you know, I was looking at the memories on Facebook and all of that, and you're like, wow, uh, what do we do to, to be back there? Keenan, great to have on uh, on the show. Uh, nice to officially meet. Yeah, uh, now we're chatting to you today. Um, it's obviously pre-recorded, but uh, on this day, it, it was announced that the Proteas had just named uh, a couple of new captains in Dean Alga and Temba Bavuma. Uh, captaincy is a, a very big accolade uh, to take on board, especially when it comes to representing your your country in any sport. And uh, you are the vice captain of the team, but you have also captained the side um, along the way. Um, what has that been like? Is it something that you aspire to do on a on a more permanent basis? Um, yeah, Derek, I, I must say that I've captained a lot of teams um, coming through various age group levels and um, post school as well. So it's definitely something that I, I I enjoy. But at the end of the day, I still think that you you know you, your your primary job is to play. Uh, but it's definitely something that, that I'm embracing and I'm learning all the time. And um, we have a lot of previous captains in the squad. So I'm just soaking it all up, you know. Um, it's not the, it's something that has to be natural. So you're not trying too hard. You're just embracing it, taking it day at a time. But, but definitely something that I would love to, to look at long term. Tell us about the particulars when it comes to being a captain in a hockey team. Because... You know, on one side of the spectrum, you've got, say, football, for instance, where a lot of people say that they do pretty much nothing. Um, they're just uh, an armband wearer. Uh, I know sometimes they have honorary captains for a day. Ashley Cole was was named a captain uh, for Chelsea just because. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you go to the other side where you look at somewhere like cricket or test cricket where a captain plays a massively important role on the field. Um, where does hockey fit in in, in, in that spectrum? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a little bit in between, um, you know, because I, I definitely understand what you're saying where, you know, in some sports it's more hands-on, you're making vital decision, vital moments. And I think with, with hockey, the role of a captain is sort of linking the different lines together and the different decision-making makers in the team. Because if we, if we look at it, there's a lot of various decisions that have to go on through a hockey match in terms of tactics decisions of the game within a game scenarios so I think just being a link between all of those sort of decision makers is, is important but also being in an amateur sport uh, in South Africa captains you know take on a bigger role off the field um, you won't realize how much our current captain does Tim Drummond but there's a there's a lot of admin things that you have to do you know um, so I definitely think our hands are a lot fuller on and off the field sometimes than, than just your traditional professional sports. Yeah, no, I, I was actually going to speak about that with regards to the amateur status of hockey and how much behind-the-scenes work uh, goes into marketing you guys, administrating you guys. Um, uh, well, anything, you know, when it comes to having a full-out professional sporting 
uh, team uh, being able to rep- represent their country um, in the highest form they possibly can. Uh, when you are at an amateur status, I can imagine that there is so, so, so much work that goes into getting you guys in tip-top shape and not necessarily from people that when professional sporting codes, they would have so many people in those positions to be able to do that. Whereas this time around, I mean, for a captain, for instance, would think, well, geez, this is, this is my job. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I wouldn't say it's strange because, you know, you, you sort of, you don't know anything else. Um, but you, you are very aware that, you know, the professional status guys, they just, their main thing is pitching up and performing, you know, for example, we had a camp in Cape Town a couple of weeks ago where we as, uh, as the players also had to find out which turfs are available that we could use. Where if you imagine a Proteus cricket team just arriving thinking they're going to play or train at Newlands. You know, we have to find the turf, what turf is available, use our contacts. Um, so it's small little things like that, you know. So, um, you know, we're really hands-on with the management team in terms of playing an active role there because I think everyone needs to work together to sort of use your resources. So, yeah. Yeah, Kinan, and, and you, you talk about working together, but obviously a lot of that work over the past 12 months has been alone. Um, you're also based down in the Western Cape with uh, uh, your captain, Tim Drummond, currently based in Holland, your coach, uh, Gareth Ewan, based in Gauteng, um, your assistant coach, Sihle, was based in KZN and now obviously up in Pretoria. I mean, there must have been a level of frustration with the fact that you are very much together, but also very much alone um, over the past 12 months. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we did the best we could with, uh, you know, everyone jumped on zoom and, you know, we were no different. Um, I just think we, what, what we strove to do was over communicate. Um, of course, there's nothing like face to face interaction. You know, we just wish we were in Europe where we could just hop on a train and like two hours down the road, you, you with the other guy. Um, so definitely the, all the things that we've been working on, you know, it's, it's hard to not see the fruits while we're not in person, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm telling you, we are, the guys are itching just to have that, you know, that contact together. Um, you know, we've worked on so many things over the last 12 months as a squad, as a leadership group, uh, management team. And, you know, we're just waiting to see the fruits when we come together. So, yes, it definitely is frustrating. Um, that's why I always allude to the, the calm before the storm because it just feels like there's a big thing coming, you know, but we're just waiting, biding our time. Yeah, and, and you know, obviously you were also directly affected by COVID. You, you have played over in Europe, um, where, what is it, um, Old Georgians Hockey Club. Um, you were supposed to head back over. I mean, what happened with your situation and, and what is the plan going forward in terms of playing hockey overseas? Yeah, it, I mean, it wasn't great. I, I had a good um, opportunity at the Old Georgians. I was playing with some really, really talented players. I think there were about eight capped Great Britain players in my team and uh, one of probably the best player to ever play for England in Ashley Jackson who has competed in three Olympic Games. So I was absolutely enjoying my time in, in London. Um, unfortunately, with COVID, you know, the best thing was to do was obviously come back. Um, and they actually haven't restarted their league again. But uh, I had a few conversations with coaches in Germany and that was actually the, the plan to go over in August last year. Um, but with the, with the second wave hitting and South Africa's strict sort of uh, travel restrictions, that couldn't happen. And then we pushed it out to February this year and still nothing. So, you know, the future was very uncertain. Um, a lot of waiting around. Um, so I actually decided to start doing my, my law articles in the meantime while I, <laughs> you know, while we can't travel. So it's been, been a good change. Yeah, on that subject, you speak about law articles. Uh, uh, I mean, we keep on speaking about the fact that, that hockey is an amateur sport. I mean, you have uh, tremendous commitments outside of the sport. And, geez, law is certainly not one that you can choose to ignore and uh, just decide to, to up and leave it for a couple of days, weeks or months uh, to go play hockey. Um, it's something that you pretty much got to be on top of things 24-7 of one of the hardest and toughest disciplines there is. Yeah, I mean, it's been 
it's been eye-opening to say the least but also um, I'm just embracing it you know it's been fresh uh, to be honest with you to be in a different space after last year I was training throughout the 12 months um, you know you're always training to stay in shape I also live an active lifestyle so it wasn't hard but I look back and think to myself if I had to do that for another 12 months or 10 months without any hockey matches and real competitive hockey it would have been tough um, so this has definitely been a breath of, a breath of fresh air for me. Uh, but in saying that, um, I'm still, still, um, you know, working on the juggling act. But uh, yeah, it's been every day something different. So that's that's the positive. You know, one of the amazing and- things. Oh, sorry, Ty. I, I know that you you can jump in here as well to speak about it. But uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we went down to Randburg Astro, where we hang around with uh, one of the camps under Gareth Ewing's charge. And uh, we saw Madabaz Ben Karpinski. He was busy filming there. And uh, I see that today, I think it was launched today, uh, the, the match kit um, uh, program uh, to go with the, with the hockey side in order to crowdfund to get funds for the Olympics. Uh, do, you know, do you know much about it, Keenan? Yeah, so it's very exciting. I mean, you know, we all got a budget breakdown for the year and it was something about 3.5 million as a squad and almost 145,000 rand per player for the year if you're competing in all those tournaments. So it's just been really incredible for, you know, uh, for MatchKit to come on board with us. Uh, I didn't, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know much about them before these sort of small engagements that we've been having. Um, but, you know, I looked at their profile and they have some high profile uh, people using using their platform. And uh, it's really exciting. I mean, to have that sort of support to launch those things. I wouldn't say we're desperate, but I think we, we're moving in the right direction in terms of uh, the management is, is, is getting the right people involved who are experienced in these sort of fields, you know. So it is definitely exciting. Yeah, it really, really is. And I mean... Kudos to to MatchKit and to you guys for a tremendous initiative. And like you said, I mean, it's not about being desperate. It's about being able to compete with the best in the world, having been provided with the best possible funding, the best possible resources that you can. And every little cent helps. Uh, and, and it doesn't matter. You, you, you can never have too much, put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I like what you, you use the word compete, uh, which is very important to me personally because often you don't want to speak about teams participating in a tournament. You know, that's not what this group is about. Um, this group is about competing. Um, I always say that professionalism is not a paycheck. You know, it's, it's what you do every single day to, to compete at, at the highest level. Um, but these sort of things are obviously also important and you, you need to recognize um, that that can help you take the next step. Um, so, yeah, it's quite exciting for us as a group. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, sorry, that, that is very unprofessional for everybody listening. So, um, <laughs> I need some water there. Sorry, I, said, I have coffee right in front of me. But, um, yes, I'm, I'm actually losing my voice completely here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's for like the that Arsenal jersey. <laughs> uh, which one? Am I? No, I'm not wearing one now. Come on, come on. <laughs> um, I'm wearing Derek's favorite team in the whole world, Kaza Chiefs. <laughs> oh. Anyway, Derek, once you cut all of that minutes out there, make a note of which you'll probably forget to anyway. So everybody, I hope you enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, Ken, obviously, we also we we know. You I mean you've spoken about it, Canada Attorney Law articles. Um, obviously, I know a thing or two about articles, not not quite law ones, but I know that they are very time consuming. I know that they are some long hours. Have you had a discussion with the the firm about uh, the time you need off for the Olympics and other hockey um, um, responsibilities, and and how have they responded to it? Yeah, Ty, and full disclosure here, um, I actually went for the interview last year just for experience. So, as I said, I was planning to go to Germany, um, but I just thought, you know, how would an interview <laughs> be? Because I haven't put myself in that space yet. Um, and they contacted me back and said, look, here, we like you've got the position. And I actually had to have a second meeting with them and say, look, I, I'm actually position to start 
because of, you know, I have these hockey ambitions. I might have commitments of like, you know, that I might have to be away. And they were totally on board with it. They, um, they are happy to accommodate my, my hockey at this stage. Furthermore, they don't, I don't have to work really late hours. So I work a set time because I'm either training in the morning before work and then having sessions in the evenings. So they, yeah, it's been great. Um, as I said, it's, it's been a different space, but I've always been busy with, with sort of academic work because I've been doing my master's. So I've always had to time manage. So this, this feels like nothing differently. Um, if anything, it just makes things fall into place that, you know, this is your time to train. This is your time to do that. So it just adds another layer of discipline. You know, and, and I like that because uh, you, you've spoken about discipline. You've spoken about uh, preparedness, the, the ability to compete. And, and obviously you are one of the people in the leadership group who's setting that tone. And it's a, a tone that many hockey fans, uh, South African hockey fans have drummed the beat on for years. We may not have the financial ability, but there is no reason why we can't be fit and we can't be prepared. And, and I mean, just listening to you and, and the journey you're on, it's clear that you are doing everything you can do to be in the best possible prepared state for uh, for the Olympics and any other opportunity. I mean, if and I know you do a bit of coaching on the side, uh, specifically with the indoor and uh, helping the different franchises. I mean, what, what would your key message be to a youngster who's got aspiring ambitions towards playing for South Africa, um, even though they know the, the challenges that uh, are involved there? Yeah, I think, you know what, everyone has their own why and their own purpose of why they do things. Um, and I think you need to real, really have something tangible um, that you can always lean back on because that's where hard work comes from. You know, if you don't have a, a real purpose and a why, it's going to be hard to to keep motivating yourself. Um, so I, I always stress on hard work. That always um, is my main thing because I, growing up, I always, like, I was actually sitting in church and the, the pastor once said that talent is cheap and commitment and dedication is expensive. Um, and that is the sort of motto I've, I've lived on um, is that always try and be the hardest worker in the room, you know, never be the guy that, that, that gives up because they're the worst people to play against. Um, so if you can latch that onto a sort of a purpose or why, uh, I think you put yourself in, good, in, in a good position. Keenan, we know that you've traveled a fair bit, and it's a question that we often pose to our guests. Myself and Ty love to travel, and uh, we've seen a a few countries, but we're always on the lookout for more. Uh, What rates as your top three when it comes to having traveled in the world of hockey? Uh, Australia, definitely. Sometimes it feels like South Africa (laughs) 2.0, and then... I have to go London and Amsterdam. Okay. Those, those two. In that, that order as well. Okay. Yeah, no, that lovely, lovely places. Uh, yeah, Keenan was actually saying he loved being in London because he got to watch his beloved Arsenal play every week. <laughs> oh, Diane, I actually have a funny story about that. Yeah. Um, I actually went to, to, to a local uh, pub to... I was actually playing in Manchester at this stage and we traveled through to London to go do some sightseeing and United were playing Arsenal. And, you know, be that as it may, in London, I have to watch the game somewhere, sit in a pub and I look around, it's just Arsenal fans. Oh my word. And Arsenal having the worst season ever and they decide to play the best game against United. (laughs) I didn't, like, from the very start in that pub while I was watching... If we did something well, I didn't make any action because I couldn't let all the other 50 people know that I'm the only United supporter in there. So it was the worst game ever. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a mate. He's a, a radio DJ who, who shall remain nameless. And he's a diehard Arsenal fan. And he's even got a, a massive tattoo of the, the gunner um, on his calf. Uh, he's crazy, crazy about the, the team. And he went to London for a weekend. What was it? No, I think it was Old Trafford. Um, for a weekend from South Africa. I mean, that's not cheap. But he literally went there for the weekend to watch the United-Arsenal game. And it was the 7-2 match. 
Or A2, A2, A2. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to correct you. Sorry, A2, yeah. <laughs> okay, and, uh, and it, it was at Old Trafford, A2. Yes. Yeah, it was at Old Trafford. At Old Trafford. Yeah, Imagine, the, an entire weekend, I mean, he literally flew on the Friday, lands Saturday morning, goes to the game. Well, I think he played on a Sunday. Anyway, he, he was there. He, he was, the day that he was there, he got to witness his beloved team smashed A2 by United. <laughs> Yeah, Derek, the, the first time I ever went over, I went to go watch. It was a home game. Um, I'd booked everything. And fortunately, I was flying out on the Tuesday because like the week before, week or two weeks before, they moved the game from the Sunday to the Monday because they oh, don't wow. really care. Um, but anyway, Arsenal had never lost a Premier League game on a Monday night. Um, we were playing Wigan, who were near the bottom of the log. And so I was like, yes, what a great game to be the first, <laughs> like my first game, my home game against Wigan who are on their way down. It's a Monday night. We've never, ever lost a Monday night Premier League game. And Wigan beat Arsenal 2-1. <laughs> it was it was the season. Keenan might remember this because it was the season that Wigan actually made the great escape. They beat Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea and Liverpool in the space of like five weeks. And they managed to stay up yeah. and next year they got relegated. But yeah, that was my first experience. And then I got on the train afterwards and I was staying in West London. Now, for those of you that know, uh, that is the area of West Ham and uh, Chelsea and um, uh, Millwall stay in that area. And I get on and I'm wearing an Arsenal shirt because I was at the game. And as I'm going, this lady says, listen, just cover up now. I was like, okay, so I pull up my jacket. Uh, there was a whole bunch of West Ham fans that got uh. on, and if they saw people not that were in another football team shirts, they were they were honestly giving them proper gears. Now I'm telling this long-winded story about football on a hockey podcast because, Kins, I wanted to ask you in in all your club time. I mean, whether it was with Marty's, uh, uh, Saint George's, uh, Old Georgians, uh, with uh, Central, I mean. Sometimes some games just mean that little bit more, that rivalry. What what stands out with the, the different clubs and even with South Africa as those those grudge matches, those rival matches that were just that little bit more special? Yeah, I think let's start on a on a club level. Uh, definitely been playing for Martis and Centrals, definitely playing against Western Browns Cricket Club. Um Coming through the university system, they always had the senior national players, uh, the likes of Lloyd Norris Jones, Red Halkett, Andrew Cronier. So they're real legends, you know. Um, and yeah, to beat them was always, um, you know, extra special. And it, and it hasn't changed now that I'm at Central because uh, that, you know, that rivalry is, is very strong. And those are always the, the games that I, I loved, uh, the tough ones. But then on a national point of view, I definitely think Egypt. Um, Egypt is one of the toughest teams to play against. Um, they're hard, they're unconventional. Um, they are, what's the correct word? Mm, uh, sly or sneaky in terms of they, or streetwise is probably a good, better word yes, to use. we are very lucky so, I was on mute there because I was using a very different word. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't go there. PG, PG-30. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, there's some, as you said, some games are just, just means that much more. Uh, and then playing for Marty's as well, playing in Stucks, um, or UJ. Um, so those, those top two universities as well. So I've had my fair share of, of some good, good rivalries. Yeah. And, and, and you've also had your fair share of uh, silverware at a club level and, and even at a provincial level. I mean, you've won RPT with Western province. You won the league many times with Marty's and of course, uh, Central's resurgence, you've been there and done that. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of medals on the table at home on the above the fireplace because uh, we know everybody has a fireplace and a mantle where we leave our trophies. <laughs> but on this hypothetical fireplace, obviously, lots of medals. Uh, which one makes you smile the most when you just think about it quickly? Sure, it's, that's a tough one because uh, there's two that comes to mind immediately. Oh, that's fine. Two, two's acceptable. Yeah, so the, the first one has to be the USA tournament 2016, the one with Marty's, the university sports tournament. Um, I mean, we 
it took us eight years to win it after winning. And, you know, it's, it's unheard of for a traditional big university. And that year we just worked extra hard and it was extra special. And the, the message behind that team was Paul Evington was coaching. And he, he grew a culture that, you know, to be successful anywhere else, you have to be successful at grassroots level. Um, so for many years, Marty's was the grassroots. So if I cannot win at grassroots, how am I going to want to win at higher, higher levels? Um, so that's why that was was really special. And then the second one is definitely the Africa Cup of Nations in Egypt to qualify for the World Cup in 2018. We had a deplete, or for lack of a better word, a depleted squad. So that game fell within the international window. So we didn't have any international players. And we also had a lot of withdrawals. So we had a fairly inexperienced team. And everyone knows to play in Africa is really difficult, let alone in Egypt. Um, but that was also my first African. I was a top scorer in the team. So that was, was extra special. And you had Sheldon Roston, the, the coach uh, at that tournament, for the men and the women. Yeah, incredible, eh? Incredible <laughs> story. Yeah, well, I mean, what was that like? I mean, obviously, he's a, a very talented individual, uh, a great coach. Uh, we've had him on the show before. But, uh, I mean, geez, you talk about having your hands full. Um coaching two separate sides at uh, a, a massively key event uh, on the global stage. Yeah, I think I likened him to a a football manager to, for, yeah, because he had such a, like a little time with us, you know, there was a short space of time for him to implement anything new or to, you know, to put his own imprint on the team. And what he actually had to do was just manage the guys, you know, so understand, get a real feel for what everyone brings to the party because I'm not even sure if he was involved in the selection process. Um, and he had great assistants like uh, Rob Van Gunkel, um, Inky Zondi. Those sort of guys really helped him in terms of the workload and also like it, it was very rela- relational, you know, and that was important to have that sort of communication with the staff. Um, it was our first time obviously working with the lady staff. So I think they, they did it like in the, the best way possible, just to be uh, open, c- communicate well, and just be a presence, you know. And speaking of coaches, uh, how have you found working under Gareth? Yeah, again, I mean, Gareth has tons of experience. He's been in the the national setup for so many years. Um, I was actually, I realized the first time I watched an Olympic Games was 2008. Uh, the, the Beijing Games and that's when I decided I want to be an Olympian one day um, and I think I was 16 years old I was going to say was that the, f- the, been, first, the first Olympics you watched was two thousand. like how young are you? Well, <laughs> <laughs> we're not disclosing age yeah. not, not, sad, um, not, but, yeah. not, not close to your milestone just yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's, it's this crazy thing that Gareth has been there since that time, you know, because uh, hockey wasn't always televised um, and we had to wait for these major tournaments to watch. But again, he understands the South African landscape. He's been with so many incredible coaches. So it's just been great to see him come in and really sort of put his his, his hands on everything and just mold it in the, in the correct way, realizing our challenges um, and what works, what doesn't work. So it's it's been really good. Um, I, I feel... This is the the most a squad has felt together in a, in a very long time. Um, there's a real unity about it, and you know it's testament to the work that Gareth did, and also recognizing what we needed. Um, young guys coming into the squad are not feeling like it's, you know, when you look at the senior players, they're the ones with the most caps. So you're like Austin Smith, you know, Tim Dumman. That's their team. You know, you look at it as it's, I'm just here. I'm I'm just a a number but now guys are feeling like they're all part of this team this team all belongs to everyone from number one to number 45 in the squad which is which is you know testament to the management and gareth's work yeah we we are good friends of gareth here on the show and uh we will be having him on again before uh, you guys do head off and hopefully to aslan shah i know there's plans in place for that should it go ahead um, you know, one of the things that I've always been a fan of is the number the players wear. Now, you are synonymous with the number 10. Um, it is your number now, but of course, it wasn't always your number. It was Chuck's number. 
And uh, although you got to play as number 10 on your debut, you had to give it back up to Chuck a few, for a few series after that. Was there any uh, symbolism when you chose number 15 or was that just, okay, give me another number? And then also tell us why number 10. What, what makes number 10 so special for you? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, number 10. So I used to play rugby. Rugby was my favorite sport, my number one sport. Um, and I wore number 10 um, because, oh, I'll fly off firstly. And, you know, you're decision maker. Um, you know, a lot of calls to go through you. And then also my favorite players were always the fly-offs because obviously I grew up watching them, the likes of, of Carlos Spencer, uh, Dan Carter, just the flair that those guys had while being able to dictate games and make those decisions in, you know, in an intense environment while maintaining that flair. Um, so I've always loved the, the idea of a number 10. Um, you know, what it stood for in terms of, of that linkage. And um, from the get-go, uh, you know, I kept that number from, from rugby over to hockey. So, uh, of course, it wasn't nice when Chuck had to wear it. Uh, but, you know, being a lighty in the team, you you sort of like, you bide your time for it, you know, you wait. <laughs> so that, that was understandable. I mean, Chuck's an incredible player. Just to be playing with him at that stage was, was amazing. And then choosing another number. So you'll know that... Um, I actually wear number 21 for Western Province um, when I play for the for the Western Province team. And that's also because that was around the time that I broke into the national squad for the first time. When I was 21 years of age, uh, attending my first camps, that's why that's special. Uh, moving over to the number 15 at international level, uh, there wasn't really any symbolism behind that, if I'm honest. I'm not going to try and spin you a story. Um, <laughs> Your favorite player again, was Andre Hubert. <laughs> yeah, no, it was actually going to be Chesson Colby, but I realized he's, he's, my, he's about my age, so I can't really say that because. <laughs> yeah, and also, yeah, also I, I own the rights to that story because my youngest son's name is Colby. So, yeah, oh, really? Up with that. <laughs> I mean, my uh, yeah, wife was, thinks it's after some guy in Survivor, but I, I'm like, he was born just after the World Cup final. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> So I'm surprised not Siam and Tanda Colby Barnard. She she wouldn't accept that. I did try. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we're speaking rugby now because I'm, I'm not a football fan at all. I can't stand soccer. And now 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 we're onto onto a sport I love on top of another sport that I love in hockey. So that's pretty cool. Um, so I've just got to ask a rugby question because there's far too much football talk in this interview. Um, so we've got to balance it out. Uh, Dan Carter recently retiring. Um, it spurred the debate on are you a Carter man or are you a Wilkinson fan? Um, in your mind, who was the best 10? Uh, definitely Dan Carter. I mean, no one can take away what, what Johnny Wilkinson did. Uh, he, was, he was really a talented player. But in terms of overall play, and who basically influenced games for longer periods of time and who could really change up games and be an X factor. I definitely think Carter takes the cake with that. Um, running ability, passing, uh, game management, kicking. Um, I mean, I love going on Twitter and you see these Dan Carter tributes and yeah. when he's wearing that Crusaders jersey and he kicks the ball from the one side of the post and it just curves away, fades in. I mean, sometimes I think, wow, what did this guy do? While he's playing, he looks like the most calm guy, so relaxed on the field. Um, so I'm a huge, huge Carter fan. Not an, not an all-black supporter, but I appreciate a good player. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, that performance from Dan Carter in that 2005 Lions series in New Zealand. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it, it, it was a one-man wrecking ball. He was just sensational. Never seen a more complete and dominant performance from a single player in my life. And uh, I don't think I ever will um, again. But uh, yeah, he was phenomenal. D just a quick one. Uh, I mean, in terms of you, you speak about playing fly at school uh, and, and you like the, the, the running aspect. Did you ever get to see, and so, uh, long before your time, but there are a couple of videos floating about, uh, Herschel Gibbs play for Bishops? Yeah, for Bishops. Yeah, yeah amazing with his, his hair and his freckles. <laughs> yeah, he was... No, it was, it, was, it was awesome to see him play. I mean, we have a lot of talented players 
in South Africa that play various codes. So it would be interesting to see the likes of those guys, you know, if they took the rugby further. And also just to see the, the I think his Cravenwick team that he yeah. played in for Western Crowns had a number of guys who went on to represent the Springboks. Yeah, Cornet Cricket um, played in that and, side. You know, he was, and and David David yeah. Muslin was his was his scrum off, and both of them were at Bishops, so it was a nineteen combo operating from Bishops. And I, I think yeah. I think Robbie and, Fleck played in uh, outside him, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and and he was one of the better like better players in that team, so he could have you know chosen any code, which is which is pretty cool. Uh, uh, but, uh, I mean, you, yourself, uh, yeah, I was, uh, probably you're going to lead to the next question, Ty, exactly the same. Keenan <laughs> probably multi-talented himself. I mean, how close did hockey come to losing you to somewhere else? Um, I went, like, my, my dad was an avid tennis player, so I, I was part of a tennis club for, for a long time. Um, and then, you know, rugby, hockey, cricket, those are the three main ones. Um, cricket, very close to provincial team in my senior years at high school. So, um, you know, again, one of those scenarios where you get to like the last round, second last round of trials. Um, same with the rugby. And I think that's what actually pushed me on the path to to hockey because when I was 13, I went to the rugby trials um, at the same time as the hockey trials. So, you know, rugby's on a Wednesday or Wednesday, hockey's on a Thursday. So I used to go to these trials and when I got to the second last round of, of rugby trials, um, I basically never made it too short for your position, the classic. Um, and then my teacher had to phone the the people at the hockey trials, like, yeah, he couldn't make the trials because I was left out of a, of a team. So they eventually put me into a zonal team for hockey. Um, and then I ended up making the, the under-13 provincial team for, for hockey. And that year, every morning I was on the sidelines at, the high school where my brother was attending, watching his rugby games. And everyone thought I was going to come over there to play rugby because everyone knew me as a rugby player. Um, <laughs> and the shock on everyone's face that first day of winter sports when I pitched up with a hockey bag. Um, <laughs> yeah, so very close. Jeez, very t- close. T- how's that? I mean, candidate attorney, uh, national hockey player, uh, pretty much could have his pick uh, when it came to provincial sports as well, so you're talking tennis, uh, rugby, I mean, you name it, he did it. Uh, some guys just, just saw in the front of the queue. <laughs> yeah, and and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and Keenan, Keenan is underselling it because uh, the, there are rumors that Lloyd Harris only made it pro because Keenan, Keenan gave him a gap. Um, yeah, I could have, telling yeah. you. That's true. <laughs> I mean, Kinza, just because we brought up rugby, obviously there is another young player who plays at Central Hockey Club with you, who is an incredibly gifted rugby player as well, also at Bishops, I think, uh, is uh, Mustafa Kasim. Have you been able to see him in action on the rugby field? I, ha- To be honest with you, I haven't. I've heard stories, um, and I, I often wondered uh, why he chose his path. Um, but I know hockey's sort of in their family, you know, it's it's the hockey community is no one no one can experience unless you're inside of the hockey community. So it's it's a true family. So I'm not surprised he chose hockey. But I know he was a, a great fullback at, at Bishops and mm. um you know he's, he was quite a big boy for his age. So he, he definitely ran rings around a few people I've I've heard. Yeah, so, I mean, this is not the show, but I've heard that he was uh, one of those players that, uh, much much like you and, and actually quite a few others, could pretty much have uh, picked his sport and then become a, a South African star. But, Kenan, you have uh, excelled at hockey. There is one more thing we have to see if you can excel at, and that is the Hockey the Podcast one-question quiz. So it's exactly what it says. It's a quiz. It consists of one question, and it's either going to be passed with flying colors or uh, something that all your mates on the hockey field will remind you about for 10 or 20 (laughs) years to come. So, Kenan, I decided I like shirt numbers. Uh, You like the number 10, and you like Man United, so I'll be nice. And the question is a very straightforward one for you. Can you name the last six players to wear the number 10 for Man United? 
Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, including including the current well, one. We'll allow the current one as one of them. Okay, let me uh, just take a moment here. Um, was Okay, Wayne Rooney, Marcus Rashford. Uh, David Beckham did have a stint in it. Um, Brian Robson. Um, you, Cliff, that's what, you have three right? so far. So, oh, um, you've got three. I'll tell you, Brian is going a bit too far back. Uh, too far back. Okay, let me yeah. just think who was. I felt that uh, Ruth van Osteroy. Um, you've got four. Two more. I need to think who came before Ruth. Um, give me a second. Is it uh, is it Andy Cole? Do I no? They were number nineteen and nine, I think. Um, sure, I'm eating a blanket. I. Um, <laughs> the one, the one scored a very famous goal. Very famous. Well, I mean, it wasn't quite as famous as another one, but in the same game. Yeah, that's uh, Eric Cantona was number seven, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's not him. Yeah. Is it in that era, though? Uh, a little bit later than that. Think, think 99 Champions League. Solskjaer never wore number 10, did he? Wasn't him. But right game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who was it that scored? Teddy Sheringham. Yeah, there we go. So you've got five out of six. And you're missing the one in between Ruud van Nistelrooy and Wayne Rooney. Um, yeah, I, I know that. And, oh, sorry. Actually, no not ways. between Ruud and Wayne. Definitely sorry, between, uh, between Wayne and Marcus Rashford. Mm. There was one person who wore between the two of them. Was it, um, not, was it Zlatan? It was Latan. Well yeah. done, Keenan. You know your number 10s. That means you can keep your number 10 during the locks. <laughs> Wayne Rooney, Zlatan, uh, Sheringham. And I didn't think he would get David Beckham because that was a bit of a left field one for me. Um, but uh, well done. Uh, hopefully oh, we so see you. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. The number 10 on the field, number one in the South African fans' hearts. And hopefully you're able to do what Wayne Rooney, Sheringham, Dan Carter, Johnny Wilkinson were able to do uh, for their teams in helping lead South Africa to a highest ever finish at the Olympic Games. And who knows, just ruffling enough feathers because why not in an age of COVID? Exactly. No, thanks, guys. Yeah, uh, that's a very big names that you just threw out there. I don't think I'm going to do any overhead kicks anytime soon. Um, but you know, I've I've taken on the jersey because it's it's you know it's the it's the playmakers and the game changers and yeah. If I could be off of what they done in their careers, it would be special, especially with South Africa. Brilliant, Keenan. Thank you so much, man. Really, really great getting to know you. I'm uh, blown away. Uh, by 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 your talent and uh, yeah, what the future holds for you. We wish you all all of the best in every single field that uh, you have been participating in, uh, but especially when it uh, comes to hockey uh, over in Tokyo as well. So yeah, remember, folks, that match kit. Get involved. Like we spoke about it earlier, you can't have too much money when it comes to the players competing. South Africa will be going over there, not just to make up the numbers, but to compete and uh, do the country proud. And uh, Keenan will be at the forefront of them. Uh, Keenan, thanks so much, and we'll chat soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thoroughly enjoyed my time with you guys. Thanks again, Tyler and Derek. Hope you guys have a good evening further. Adios. Cheers, very uh, Cheers, Keenan. Ciao. Cheers. Uh, yeah, Ty, I mean, yeah, it goes without saying. <laughs> what a talented individual. Yeah, and, and just, you know, what I love uh, uh, about Keenan is he's just such a humble leader. Um, he leads his team with so much humility and he works hard and, and he takes responsibility, you know. Let's let's not get uh, caught up in the, uh, what is it, the limitations that mm. we operate under. Let's rather make our own limitations by just putting in incredible hard work and it's the kind of leader that really, to me, embodies what it means to be 
proudly South African. Yeah, 100% with you. And yeah, you couldn't have put it better. A great question, by the way. I know you took over the reins for the one question <laughs> quiz this time and you did it uh, a great job. Thanks so much for stepping in. Yeah, it's <laughs> like it's like we've had some practice with this lately. <laughs> Jeez, asking trivia questions? Who'd have thought? Uh, okay, that uh, wraps it up for another show. Thank you so much, Ty. Uh, you're going to talk about tough jobs. You're going to have a, a tough one trying to find a guest that can top this one. But uh, you've done an exquisite job in the past, and I know you can do it again. Uh, thanks so much. Well, yeah. And, and sorry, before we wrap it up, uh, you know, it's, it's a good time to let everybody know. We, we do have a very, very, uh, a very cool guest lined up pretty soon. Uh, not a South African, someone who plays overseas, but we'll let you know about that because it might not be in the next two weeks because she's with the national squad right now. But uh, we are launching a, a patron um, for Hockey the Podcast. So you'll be able to check it out. We'll put the links in, in all the posts and stuff. And yeah, if you, if you want to, if you would like to uh, support some of the work that we've been doing, uh, go along there and, and as we bring about merchandise and stuff we'll uh, obviously look at opportunities to give some discounts to our, our patrons and uh, you know some cool things that we can do together including potentially some uh, clubhouse chats or zoom chats with some of the national players for you and your kids um, uh, should the time allow it yeah, thanks very much for setting that up, Ty. And yeah, it's uh, we'd really appreciate it if you if you do get involved. Uh, you know, it's the greatest feature on. Uh, there's a really really good podcast called A Word or Two. It's a cricketing podcast hosted by Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins, and they had a patron account, and literally it's just people donating uh, some cash every now and then, and. They had paid it by, I think, the second or third episode that they, they had the, the patron uh, account set up. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but they have this thing called Nerd Pledge. And how it works is people just donate money, but the, the, the uh, figures that they donate are famous cricketing figures. So, um, f- uh, for instance, we, if, like you put in... 4 and 38, 438. I mean, we all know what 438 is synonymous for when it comes to cricket. So it was such a cool thing, and it's actually become a feature where they're actually bringing in money, and it's become a feature. So unfortunately, we don't quite have that <laughs> done, but we're just saying give us money. Um, but uh, we will read out your names and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, we just it's something that we are looking into, and uh, yeah, I think the time is right. But uh, more importantly, support the SA men's hockey team and the SA women's team as they drive uh, towards that goal of doing exceptionally well over here at Tokyo 2021. Ty, thanks so much. As always, uh, we'll catch up in a week's time. Yeah, thanks, Derek. Have a good one, everyone. Ciao.